Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Kevin, how are you, my friend? I am doing very well. Thank you so very much for having me. I did a very appropriate post about being an underdog, so the universe has aligned us nicely. I absolutely love that. My goodness, Kevin, I can't wait to hear your story in full detail. I've read up on you and I'm like, man, he sounds like such a badass. I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I want to be a badass with a good heart. And I think that's that's what we're playing for. That's the greatest thing you could ever ask for. Badass with a good heart. Oh, man. So I'd love to know, though, my, for my first question for you, like what inspired you to where you are today to be this badass with a big heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised by women. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Didn't know my dad, didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So I wasn't always capable of in the beginning, but I always wanted to be a safe place for people. That was important to me because I know that for a lot of people, that's what we're looking for. I mean, we're looking for a place of safety, a place of, of belonging. And then when I started the podcast, I realized that our primary demographic was women. And it was like, I'm a tattooed bodybuilder who loves mixed martial arts and all things fighting. And then I started to hear the stories of how our listeners had been treated by toxic masculinity. And that just redefined for me, like, okay, we're going to do this our way and we're going to be the best men we can be. Because at the end of the day, if we're not the best men we can be, we're not going to be able to help people at the level we want. So that really reaffirmed that and yeah, helped me stay as focused on that as, as humanly possible. I absolutely love that, Kevin. Man, you just dove in deep on that. And I love <laughs> it. My goodness. So to back it up just a little bit on you and your story. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? It started, I wanted to be a baseball player. Originally, no, originally I wanted to be a professional wrestler, like Hulk Hogan, you know, The Rock. I wanted to do that. After that, I wanted to be a stuntman because I was like, I can take a beating. So I feel like that that might be a good a good industry for me to get into. Then when I was nine, I started playing baseball and then I wanted to play baseball. And then that was kind of the dream until I, I graduated high school. And then we, we kind of pivoted that. But I think as you can see, I don't really know if I ever really knew what I wanted to be. I just assumed I didn't want to be what everybody else wanted to be. That's that was always kind of my feeling is I kind of always felt like an outsider. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do that stuff. I wanted to do something different, but those are the things I was somewhat certain of in the beginning. I love that, Kevin. I love that. And like, who or what inspired you at, at your early age? I mean, you used to want to be a baseball player. Was there a particular player that inspired you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I grew up in Massachusetts, so I was a big Red Sox fan back in the day. And there was a player named uh, Nomar, Nomar Garcia Para was his name. And he was number five and he was the shortstop and I was number five and I was the shortstop. So he was my early motivation for wanting to be a baseball player. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think looking back now, I never really tried as hard as I should have. I never really tried as hard as I could have to get where I wanted. I was naturally talented and I think I kind of 
fell back on that, but you don't really know that at the time. Mm. No, Mar Garcia Pera. That's so funny that you said Boston because that's literally where uh, where I live. So Let's go. the Red Sox, yeah. <laughs> Celtics, and all of the above. I yes. love that. I love that. And so, growing up as a kid, so you mentioned you wanted to do something different. Like, when did you feel that was like that in like middle school, high school? Pretty early in high school, I I remember thinking, I'm not after this. I'm not going to school anymore. Like when this is done, I'm not going to apply to colleges. I don't want to do that. I really, really don't want to do that. At the time, I wasn't sure. And then I think, I don't remember exactly when I came across it, but I started watching UFC. For those who don't know, Ultimate Fighting Championship, it's a, it's a mixed martial arts organization. So I started training martial arts in high school. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a professional fighter. That's what I'm going to do. And my grandfather was a boxer. And my great-grandfather was a boxer. And if you think of the wrestler, I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be a stuntman. Like this is kind of everything encapsulated. So I, I started training mixed martial arts and that really was, that was kind of the plan after high school. Again, did I know what I was getting myself into? Absolutely not. Was I uh, relatively ignorant? Yeah, I had no idea, but I felt like I was on a path. And I think for many of us, progress is really what we're after or the illusion of progress. I had many illusions of progress at the time. Didn't necessarily pan out, but at the time it felt really good. I love that. I love it. UFC. That's so funny. There's actually a fight going. I always watch oh, yeah. it with my husband and my in-laws. So that's so funny that you said that. That's so interesting. So how'd you go from mixed martial arts to where you're at now? It's just so fascinating to me because the story <laughs> just seems so like so incredible. So, so walk me through that. What happened after mixed martial arts? Yeah, I've had a weird life. I was training to fight. I had a fight schedule. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And then I blew up my shoulder. So I had to get surgery on my shoulder. And at the time I was working at a gas station. I was pumping gas from six in the morning till two in the afternoon. I would go to the gym and lift weights for like an hour and a half. I'd go home, eat dinner. And then I'd drive a half hour to the mixed martial arts gym and I'd train for two or three hours. And like, that was my life. And it was awesome. But then I tore my shoulder and I started to ask myself, how reckless is what I'm trying to do here? I remember I used to say, I don't have a plan B because that's just a convenient way to get out of plan A. And when I got hurt, I was like, mm, I kind of wish I had a plan B because I can't pay the bills now. I'm not working. So it's interesting. I ended up after healing my shoulder, going back to work at the gas station. I remember thinking I wanted to be a personal trainer and I was in fitness. I was in shape. I loved helping people. Cool. Let's do that. So I went and told my boss, I said, hey, just a heads up, this isn't happening anytime soon, but I just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be looking for a personal trainer job. And then I got fired the next day. He fired me, called me up and said, don't bother coming in. It's like, oh, so much for trying to do the right thing. Then I ended up working overnights at a hospital cleaning floors and bathrooms because I couldn't find anything else to do. I needed money. So that was the next logical thing. Ended up doing the personal training, left that, ended up do, uh, being a truck driver and a forklift operator, left that, ended up going to the fire academy because I wanted to be a firefighter, left that. And then I ended up getting a, I got a very unique opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into state-owned buildings, government-owned buildings, and we would make them more energy efficient. That was my, my job. So we'd work in the attics, we'd work on the windows, we'd work on the doors. And since I was working for the state, or the government at times, I would get 60 to $120 an hour. 
And I was like, this whole not going to college thing definitely paid off for me. This really paid off. But here's the problem. Fast forward to when I'm 25, beautiful girlfriend. She's a model. I just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life. Sports car, good money, new place, all the things. But I was just miserable. I was so unhappy. I was so unfulfilled. I was so insecure. My girlfriend ends up leaving me. I'm not a bad partner, but I'm just, I have a very empty cup. So it's very hard to pour from an empty cup. And she ends up leaving me. I go all in on making money. I'm going to make as much money as humanly possible. I make $100,000 at 26. And then shortly thereafter, I was sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide because I was so miserable and I felt so trapped and so stuck and so helpless and so hopeless. I felt like I reached the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain sucked worse than I thought it would. And I was so afraid to start over again. But I ended up leaving that job three or four months later after that rock bottom basement moment and then going all in on on what we're doing today. And that was 2018. Wow. My gosh, Kevin, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Of course. That's a hell of a journey, my friend. It's a hell of a journey. And what you experience with that unfulfillment and when you get to this like mountain of capital gain that you thought was like everything you ever wanted. I've been there as well. It was right after I hit my net seven figure year when I was 27 years old. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is everything I worked for my whole life. Like, you know, as an immigrant coming to the US and like watching my parents struggle, like it felt like that was everything to yeah. me, right? And then I got there and I was like, this isn't as great as I enjoy this, but it's just like your heart just doesn't feel it. You know, I had this little tap on my shoulder that was like, Pam, you're doing great things for yourself. What are you doing for the world kind of thing? And, you know, just much like you, it was like this awakening moment of what am I actually doing? Yeah. Fascinating how you get yourself to that point. And like, it's those moments that you're like, but this is everything I ever worked for. Like, what do you mean? You know? Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much like picking up and starting over. So if you could walk me through that a little bit, Kevin, and like what helped you during that state of mind, because there's, I bet there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening that have gotten to some pinnacles in their business, or maybe they're in a transitional state right now. And they're just like, man, how do I forward knowing in my heart, like that, you know, this isn't the right thing for me. And like, how do you pivot, you know, if you will? Yeah, it's interesting. My answer has changed a lot, even over the last couple of years. I think you start working on yourself. I think one of the biggest reasons you and I had similar issues, yours was you had made a lot more money. So I'm interested and intrigued by what that was. But this is what I think it is. There is a huge discrepancy between the internal state and the external state. I could not be as happy as you thought I was. Not a chance. And I think we know that we realize one of two things. One, I am trying to make my external world look as good as humanly possible so nobody knows what the inside of the house actually looks like. Or I am trying to make the outside of the house look so darn good because I think that'll make the inside look good. And that's what I tell people is you can keep making money. And you can keep doing your thing and you can keep having uh, achievement and success. I'm all for that. You do your thing. But unless you start working on the internal parts of yourself, I do not believe anything external is going to help you. Now, here's my, my deeper thought on that. If I go get a Mercedes, I will be happier in moment to moment, right? Momentarily, I'll have bouts of good vibes and good emotions and good feelings. Cool. But a Mercedes is not going to fulfill me. There's a large difference between results-based happiness and purpose and mission-based fulfillment. So I think those are a couple 
a couple things to touch on. People say money doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't buy sustainable happiness. It buys opportunity, which can lead to happiness. I don't think money can ever touch or create fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I think those are very different things. So I would say, I would question or I would challenge somebody to question what success is to them. And I would say this, on a scale of one to 10, how well do you know how to achieve? On a scale of one to 10, how well do you know yourself? And if those answers are 10 and one, I would try to close the gap because I think that's where a lot of our unhappiness, a lot of our lack of fulfillment, and a lot of our just bad feelings about ourselves, low self-esteem, low self-worth, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Absolutely. I love how you pointed out those two differences, right? Because they say money can't buy happiness. It's one thing and then fulfillment's another, mm. you know? And that is so the God honest truth when it comes to all of that. Like, yeah, of course, like, the Mercedes will make you happy. You know, a Lambo will make you happy. But will you be fulfilled at the end of the day? It's a whole nother ball game. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I love the important distinction that you pointed out between the both of them. Now, how did you pivot into next level university? So like past this point, like what was like the first steps in your pivot on this journey? Yeah. So when I left my job, I had already started a podcast. So I was interviewed on, it's, it's interesting how everything kind of came full circle. My business partner, who I went to middle school with and high school with, he had a podcast. It was a YouTube channel. I can't call it a podcast because the technical wasn't. And he was like, hey, Kev, you're into fitness and you're into mindset and stuff. Like, I want to do an interview with you. And I was like, all right, this is probably going to suck. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've never done this before. And he's like, all right, let's just do it. So it ended up getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. And I texted him one day and I said, Alan, are we going to do this or what? Like, what are we doing here, man? Let's do this. Let's, it's past due. So we ended up doing the interview. Uh, it was myself, Alan, and one of our other friends. And after the interview, which was like an hour and a half, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. If I could do that for a living, oh my goodness, that would be the best. My buddy said to me, it's possible there's people that do it. And then shortly thereafter, I, I got all the equipment I needed for the podcast. So once I had the podcast up and rolling, it was just a matter of how do I actually turn this into something? And after I left my job, I just became a full-time entrepreneur. And my sole purpose was to try to grow this. So I post on social media every day. I would track my habits. I would track my finances. I try to build a relationship with a, a listener every single day. And in the very beginning, Pam, I would literally just, I was going through my DMs the other day. Somebody reached out and said, hey, I'm a podcast listener. And I was like, cool, here's my phone number. Let's jump on a FaceTime so I can learn more about you. And that is literally how we started building the business was, I will pour more into you than anybody else. I will do all the things that are not sustainable or scalable because I believe those are the most valuable things in the world. And I will learn how to carry the weight of all that and grow this business because at the end of the day, I want you to feel like we actually care. I don't want you to feel like a number or you know, a, a cell phone. I want you to feel like a real human. So that's really how it started for us. It was just one-on-one -on -one relationships with real human beings. And then eventually it was like, all right, now it's how do we turn this into a business? And I started coaching people for free and then I ended up charging people. So it was very much our growth and our quote unquote success was very much like a startup. Wow. In the beginning, it's just like, Everything was funded on credit cards. And I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't fix my car. It was just like, wow. I told my my grandmother this when I left my job. I said, I will never punch a clock for somebody else. I'm either going to die or I'm going to make it. And we're hoping for the second one. 
I love that, Kevin. My gosh, my gosh. I mean, I love like you literally poured your soul into it. And it's like the entrepreneurial journey is not an easy one by no. any means, right? My God, the amount of time it takes to build a business. Like you said, you're funding it on credit cards, you know, you're doing all the things and like the mental strength that you need to get through that. Cause sometimes like, I remember, you know, I, so I had two restaurants before I got into real estate development and then I got into real estate development, didn't financially forecast a few deals the way that I should have. And I ran into like cash problems, cash flow, basically charged up all my cards. I'm still, you know, have to make payroll for all my employees. And like, I've got the projects going on. And I remember like back against the wall, like failure type thing. And, you know, it was going through my mind. And then my mentors are like, you know, I call them up and I'm like, oh man, this like sucks to even say this, but like, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, they're like, that is so normal. Mm-hmm. Like so normal. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we've done that like five times. And so like, you feel a little bit more at ease to know, like, listen, all of us have had this journey of screw ups because we're all learning throughout this process, you know? So I'd be curious to know like your mental mindset and like really what helped you get through all of that. Because I feel like the entrepreneur's mindset is just like next level, you know, (laughs) especially the ones that make it through, right? Because a lot of people do quit, which is unfortunate, but like what helped you kind of navigate the waters during those times? Yeah, this was very hard for me to admit for a long time because I I just felt like I needed to take it for myself. My business partner was huge, instrumental for me. I mean, I've had a mentor in my pocket every day for the last, since 2017, pretty much. So the last six, seven years almost. Him, he's the one that helped convince me to leave my job. He's the one that said like, we're going to make it. We're going to be fine. Is it going to suck for five years? Yeah. But if we work our faces off for five years, you'll never have to worry about anything again. Now, I still do worry and we're on the mission, right? But like that was huge for me. I'm a very certainty-driven human. I am not a natural entrepreneur. I have very few entrepreneurial tendencies. Like I didn't do the lemonade stand. I didn't do the paper route. Like you hear, you know, that often about entrepreneurs. So that has been instrumental. Having somebody in my corner who I've been able to borrow belief from. And here's the other thing too. I've always been the type of person, like I'll admit when I don't know something, like I didn't know a ton at the beginning, but the one thing I believed is I will just endure more than most other people. So just like, tell me what to do and I'll go smash my head against the wall until I figure it out. And then if I don't figure it out, I'll try to get up and do it again. That's kind of a unique strength that I'm grateful I have. Here's the thing I realized pretty early on. There's three things that stop people from success. You kind of talked about this. Number one you have false expectations. I never had the expectations really that we were going to succeed quickly. That was never promised to me. So I never really expected that. So false expectations. Second thing is false approach, misaligned approach, or you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. And the third thing is a false time perspective. I didn't really have those because I had a mentor who said, Kev, this is going to take five years. Like nothing's going to change in five years. So that helped me a lot get through the dark nights, really. And then I think the other thing too is I I really admitted what was important to me. I'm a money-driven human being. I like money. I do. I love the mission, but I like money. I'm, I'm a materials and possessions guy. I value that. When I started admitting that, that helped me unlock that part of me. It's not selfish to want money. I'm very generous with my money. And one of the reasons I want money is so I can help more people. Mm-hmm. I was ashamed of that for a long time. So the breakthrough that I had regarding that also 
allowed me to break free of a lot of the shame I had around that, which was very important. I love that, Kevin. That's super important to note too, because sometimes like I feel like society just in general has this relationship with money that's like so shitty. Like money is a horrible thing. Money is the root of all evil. It's like, no, 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 no. The biggest realization I've ever had in my life was money in the right hands changes the world, Yep. which is why I believe so much in entrepreneurs because we are the ones that help people get there, right? The knowledge systems support all the things, right? And by sharing our stories ultimately, right? Because then people know that they're not alone. Like, hey, I'm not a screw up. This is just part of the process, you know? Yeah. Which was really hard for me to understand for many years until Same. I like, opened up and became vulnerable. I was like, okay, well, why do I... Like, it's okay for me to receive. It's okay to want things. It's okay to treat yourself. And it's also okay to help as many people as you can kind of expand that. Like as a young kid, I had this whole ideology that was like, you know, and I would watch it. It's like all the people who had the money had all the power and the respect. And it's like, that's what influences society. I made it this goal that I wanted to be rich when I grew up because I wanted to help more people because then I could get that power and that influence and then help them and then so on and so forth, you know, becomes mm-hmm. this big ripple effects. So it's just interesting how money really can define that for us. But yeah, like society just has a horrible relationship with it, which is so fascinating to me, you know? Yeah. I think one of my favorite quotes is money doesn't make you, it makes you more of who you are. And that I believe that at a deep level, I've met many people who have very high levels of wealth that you would never know and they're unreasonably kind. I've also met people who have very low amounts of wealth that would make you think they have a ton of wealth and they're just not kind people. And it's like, all right, I don't think it's the money that changes you. I think it's the money that magnifies who you were to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a very, very important understanding. And this is the other thing too. This really, really helped me. I used to think that where people are today is where they were forever. And I used to think that where I am today is where I am forever. If somebody is 20 years ahead of you, it's very hard to accurately account for what 20 years can do for your journey. I could not conceptualize what that meant. And I still can't fully. But what I can tell you is our first year as podcasters, we had 1,050 downloads. Now we have days where we have multiples of that. You know, 5,000 downloads in a day. Like, okay, cool. That's 5X the first year, but that would never happen if we stopped after year one. So don't compare where you are to where somebody else is because where they are isn't where they started. Where you are is where you're starting from. So you can't really compare that. That's something that really helped me appreciate the time more. Yes, absolutely. And everyone has different timelines, different journeys, different backgrounds, different everything. I mean, you don't know who helped who or what type of, you know, there's just so many parts and you can't compare yourself to someone else's timeline, which is so key. So key. Oh my gosh. So Kevin, tell me a little bit more about like next level university and like everything about it. Like I've read up on it. I'm like, this looks so amazing. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. So uh, next level university is our podcast. So we do seven episodes a week. We do an episode every single day. Our goal is to bring holistic self-improvement to the masses, heart driven, but no BS. And I hope you're getting that vibe if you're if you're listening or viewing. But below that, we have a bunch of other stuff, right? At the end of the day, it's not just a podcast, it's a business. 
because we want to make sure that we're profitable so we can pour more into the podcast and help more people. So we do seven episodes a week, but we also have free courses and we do free meetups and we have group coaching and one-on-one coaching and retreats and live events and all these other things. At the end of the day, we set the business up from a place of regardless of your self-improvement set point and regardless of your financial set point, there is somewhere for you in our business. If you can't afford to pay, don't worry. There's more content that you can possibly consume. If you do want to pay, awesome. We have stuff for you too, but we want to make it inclusive. I want you to be able to be a part of the the journey no matter where you're starting from because that's what we would have wanted when we were younger boys and we didn't necessarily have those opportunities. That's incredible, Kevin. That's incredible. So it's just like a multitude of things and like the coaching and retreats. I love that. I absolutely love that. And share with me a couple of like your best stories, like biggest transformations that you've seen through through Next Level. This was early. This is probably 2018, maybe. I had somebody reach out to me and she said, Kev, I follow the podcast. I'm afraid to approach people. One of my biggest fears, because we talk about fear chasing all the time, being courageous. She said, one of my biggest fears is going up to strangers and having a conversation. I'm at school and I see all these people and there's all these groups and all these cliques and I want to go start a conversation, but I'm so afraid to get laughed at. And I was like, yeah, no, I same. I feel like that's pretty normal. You're not alone in that. I found out this person was local to me. So I said, this is what we're going to do. You and I are going to go to the mall and we're going to approach people and I'm going to help you face this fear. And I'm going to face my own fear too, because I don't really want to do it. So I met this person at the mall. We hug it out. I say, please do not meet people from the internet at the mall. Like it's me, so we're safe, but please don't do this anymore because I think this is sketchy. We end up going into this store that sells these beanbag chairs. And I said, I want you to go up to the desk and I want you to ask them how much that chair costs. And she was like, no, 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 this is going to get so weird. I said, it's literally their job. They probably are bored. They probably want someone to talk to. I guarantee it goes better than you think, right? Just borrow my belief, borrow my belief. Does it, goes great. We go to another store, same thing, another store, same thing, another store. So then we go down to the food court and I'm like, all right, this is level two. Ask them what comes with this meal? What is it cooked in? How much is it? What would you recommend? All right, cool. She does that. Then she's starting conversations with people on the escalator. Perfect. So we're getting ready to leave that day. And this mall, for some reason, had these motorized zoo animals on wheels that you could rent and you can drive them around the mall. You might, uh, Pheasant Lane Mall in New Hampshire. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you're, you're a local. So So you can rent these for like 20 bucks. You can drive around for like 10 minutes. And she's like, if we were brave, we were really fear chasing, we would rent those. And I'm like, oh no, what have I done? What have I created here? I'm in trouble. So I have a video on my phone of us riding those around the mall. So this young lady who did not believe she could start conversations with strangers due to her fear of rejection, fear of judgment, literally intentionally got judged at the end of the day by riding these zoo animals around the mall. You can't miss these. So there were definitely people looking at us. So she ends up messaging me shortly after. I'm not smart enough to go to school. She goes back to school. She got a 3.9. So I think she was perfectly smart enough. She ends up getting her dream job and moves from a small town in Rhode Island to Nashville, Tennessee. And she's actually on our team. She actually works with us on the team, on the Next Level U team. And she's been on the team since, I don't know, 2000, shortly after this happened. So that's just an example of when you're surrounded by the right people who believe in you, And when you're surrounded by people who really want what's best for you, there's a lot of things that can really shift for you. I think it has to come from that place of, I want what's best for you regardless of me. 
right? I'll put myself into the fire if it's going to help you get through yours. So I would say that's probably my favorite story of anybody we've encountered because that just shows when somebody believes in you and pours into you and you're willing to believe in yourself and pour into yourself, a luck and shift. I absolutely love that story. Oh my gosh. I was getting like goosebumps when you were sharing <laughs> on the team and stuff. Wow. Incredible, Kevin. Oh my gosh. I love hearing stories like that. And like, it just takes those cheerleaders, cheerleaders in your life that just, you know, make all the difference and pour into you. And it's just like, sometimes you see it right away. And sometimes you realize years later, like, holy crap. Yeah. That person really empowered me and like what impact that really had on, on the trajectory. Right. Incredible, Kevin. Incredible. And I mean, you've coached a ton of people at this point and, you know, gotten so many podcast listeners and everybody listening to you. And I'm sure you've heard a multitude of stories, experienced a multitude of things, but what would be your number one piece of advice for those who are looking to live a more fulfilled life or, you know, just anything like you're the best piece of advice that you've really ever heard. It's probably you are the most valuable investment you can make. Right. I I just think for a lot of us, we don't really, we're focused on learning, which is great. Learning is so powerful, but unlearning is just as powerful. I think learning is taking things from the external and bringing them internal. I think unlearning is taking things from the internal and putting them out getting rid of them or or bringing them to life, that I think that is super, super important for people. Somebody asked me that recently and I said, therapy, therapy or counseling, something that's going to allow you to understand yourself at a deeper level. Reading books is great, right? I mean, it's great, but there's only so much you can learn about yourself by doing stuff like that. So focus on learning about you. I think we believe that the results I'm getting in my life are based on what I did yesterday, the previous week and the previous month. Or my beliefs are based on what I've learned and what I'm learning. Many of our successes, our potential failures, our beliefs, our lack thereof, that's from childhood. That's stuff that's just been around for years. It's just flying under the radar. So if you can make friends with that and understand what that means, potentially with the help of some a professional, I think that's just infinitely valuable. Absolutely, Kevin. I love that. I love that. And this one gets a little bit more personal, but it's one of my favorite questions ever. Mm. And this could be life, business, whatever it is that you want to share. But what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not your fault. I, I, For a long time, I assumed for some reason I was the reason my dad left and he wasn't there. And I manifested that through anger. And I used to punch the concrete until my knuckles bled. And I was just angry. I was angry about that. I ended up meeting my dad when I was 27. And I realized this is just a, and I don't mean this with any negativity, but this is just an underdeveloped man who probably wasn't capable of being the person that you needed. That, That gave me a lot of solace to the fact that I have allowed this person to have such a giant impact on my life. And I have villainized them for so long when in reality, none of that energy is, is good. So yeah, it's not your fault. And the way people show up in your life isn't necessarily a suggestion of you. Oftentimes it's a a deeper suggestion of who they are, not you. Right. I love that, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing that too. And I mean, that's, that's deep soul level stuff. That's what we're about, Pam. That's what we're about. 
I, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it, man. That's powerful. Oh, there's like, I just, I love how in depth you get with everything and how real and like personal, because you can feel it. Like when you speak, you can feel that, you know, and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Really beautiful. Oh my gosh. So like Kevin, what's up in your world in like the next few months, what's happening yeah, too much. Honestly, there's there's a lot going on from the business realm to to personal stuff. It's all good stuff. But uh, we have a live event in Worcester, Massachusetts, in April, April first. We have uh, we do a charity, so we do Next Level Hope Foundation. It's uh, events for children of single parents. So we have another one coming up on Father's Day, and then we do one around the holidays as well. So we do two a year. So that'll be coming up in, was it June? I don't even know when Father's Day is because that's something I never celebrated, obviously, but I think it's June. So yeah, live event in April, Hope Foundation charity event in June. Those are a couple of important things to us coming up. That's incredible, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hopefully, you know, we'll drop those in the show links and everything so everyone can check those out. And now where can everyone find you and your awesomeness? <laughs> uh, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. If you search Next Level University, you'll find us. We'll, we're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube as well. And since we do so much content, you'll either love us or you'll get sick of us very quickly. So that's that's the litmus test to figure out if you're our type of people. The best place to contact me is probably Instagram. My handle is at neverquitkid. I respond to all my DMs. I will try to get back to you as quickly as possible. Anything you need, questions, comments, concerns, a shoulder, I will try to be there. You are amazing, Kevin. It's been an honor having you today. I thank adore you. your journey, your energy, everything that you're up to. So thank you so much for being here today, my friend. My pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Kevin. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate, or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. Underdogs.